Well, good morning, everyone. There we go. There we go. A little bit louder than 9 a.m., so that's, that's nice. Everybody's awake and uh, good to go. So, again, thank you so much for the opportunity, Jose, uh, to speak and, and be before all of you today. Um, some of you know me a little bit. Maybe some of you know me as the guy that owns the, uh, the chicken restaurant down the road, uh, Chick-fil-A. Uh, but uh, I wanted to, before I dive in, maybe you're wondering, you know, why is, why is this guy up here talking and teaching and reading through the scriptures. So before we get started, I'd love to tell you just a little bit about my journey um, and how I got, got here and back here to Portland, Oregon. My journey uh, actually started 27 years ago, uh, right off of Baseline Road. I wasn't born on Baseline Road, uh, but you know what I'm saying? My parents, uh, my parents uh, were graduates of Seaside High. Uh, they grew up in Cannon Beach and Seaside, and when they got married, uh, they moved to Aloha. And that's where uh, I was the first born of three. I have a younger sister, Ellie, and my little brother, Sean. And it was uh, a family of five uh, just right off of Baseline Road. Went to Tobias Elementary School for, for just a little bit. Um, my dad uh, started working for Napa Auto Parts in St. John uh, after moving to Aloha. And while he was there, he just uh, continued to grow and his opportunities there. And uh, when I was seven, uh, we moved to the great state of Montana and uh, lived there for a couple years. And then my dad got another promotion. And so then we moved to Minneapolis, Minnesota. And then he got another promotion. And then we moved to Omaha, Nebraska. And then he got another promotion two years later. And then we ended up finally in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I was for about 12 years. Um, if you're wondering, that's, that's a lot of states and a lot of people go with military. No, he's just sold auto parts. And uh, so, and he's really good at it. And uh, I'm very thankful for it. A lot of people go, man, like you never really had a, you grew up in the same home. And you know, we didn't. I mean, I lived in multiple homes. I went to three different middle schools. And um, there's parts of it that were very challenging, but I'm also very thankful for it because it just gave me the confidence that I had to meet new people. Otherwise I was gonna really struggle uh, in school. So it really helped me in that. Uh, I was very thankful that we moved to Charlotte uh, for really three main reasons. My three loves in my life were found in Charlotte. Uh, my first love was my love for Jesus uh, I found in Charlotte. Uh, my, my family, up until moving to Charlotte, we were uh, what you might call a, a creaster. Uh, we would go to church on Christmas and Easter, and that was about it. And, uh, you know, occasionally if my mom was really, like, motivating the family, you know, we, we'd go. And that was, that was basically it. That was, that was our family. And there was something in my father that when we moved to North Carolina, something just clicked in him. Um, I don't know if it was in his prayer or God was doing something in him, but when we moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, he said, hey, uh, family, we're doing something new. We're going to church, and we're going to church every week. And I found this church, and y'all are going to like it. So it was like, okay. So we went, and, uh, and then he goes, oh, and by the way, Brian, I signed you up for a mission trip. And I was like, okay. So um, I was 14 at the time, so I guess at that point you can still corral, you know, me a little bit and tell me what to do. And so uh, I went on that mission trip, and uh, that for me, when I was uh, in New York City, we took a group, it was only like 15 of us from the youth group, we went up there and we got to serve people eye to eye on the streets of New York and serve people meals, um, spend time talking to people who are typically forgotten. And it was there where the gospel became alive to me. And that's when I saw that this, uh, this person, Jesus, um, is the real deal and it's the real thing. And that's where I truly fell in love with Christ at 14. Uh, the second love of my life uh, is my beautiful wife, 
Jacqueline, who I met, uh, we met in high school uh, at our youth group, and uh, thankfully, uh, I didn't have to play the dating game. She's the only woman I've ever dated in my life, so I've, she found me, I found her, and thankfully, she, uh, she didn't run away. I didn't scare her off, so uh, we dated for about five years before we got married, and uh, very, very thankful for her. Uh, she's actually now expecting our first child. She's about 22 weeks old. Yeah, so very excited about that. I'll, I'm sure I'll be uh, seeking a lot of wise counsel from many fathers who have gone before me to go, what in the world uh, am I doing and what do I need to do? And do you have some five-hour energy? Because I am going to, I'm going to need it. And my, my last love uh, was Chick-fil-A. Um, if you listen to the states I went through, uh, 27 years ago, there, there wasn't uh, a Chick-fil-A uh, readily available in Oregon, but we had Oregon, Montana, Minnesota, Nebraska. There was no Chick-fil-A's during that time, but it wasn't until we moved to Charlotte where I had my first cup of Southern sweet tea and, uh, and a, an original Chick-fil-A. Yeah, preach. I mean, come on. And, uh, and an original Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. And I remember at 14 years old sitting in that dining room and going, this is unbelievable. This is so good. And so uh, one of my youth leaders that I was at church with, he, uh, he offered me an opportunity to come and join uh, the staff there. He was a manager. I thought I was special, but he actually offered everybody in the youth group a job. Um, and so I, uh, I went and, uh, you know, at the time for me when I started at 16, sweeping the floors and working the register and, you know, doing a J-O-B, it was just a J-O-B. Um, I felt, especially after that mission trip, I actually went on nine more uh, mission trips in New York City and, and did a bunch of other trips as well. At that time, I felt that I was called to full-time ministry. I felt like I, was, I wanted to be a youth pastor. I wanted to go into full-time mission work. This is what I wanted to do. Um, the funny part is, is now, uh, like I said, I own a chicken restaurant. I own a Chick-fil-A, but I feel like I got a dual calling. I, I ended up feeling called to, to be a private business owner but I also got the dual calling because of, uh, if you've ever been to my restaurant, I employ a lot of students. And so I kind of feel like a youth pastor at times. I've got about 80 uh, to 90 people on staff that I am responsible for. And uh, so I, I definitely feel that I, I am still called the full-time ministry. It's just not the way I originally uh, thought of it. Not the way I originally thought of it. So that's a little bit about me in, in preparing for today's message as I was um, preparing and praying and, and, and processing through this. Um, really, there's two things that, that I ultimately want uh, each of us to walk away with, and it's something I walked away with. Um, I pray that this morning that um, a little bit of conviction is stirred in your soul. I pray that there's something maybe inside you that kind of gets a little tug, a little nudge, uh, a little boost to maybe step out in faith. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more about Noah and his moment of faith but also, ultimately, I want to give you an encouraging word to just pursue Jesus more and, and go after it, uh, whatever he's calling you to do. Um, that'd be my prayer for us today. So w before we dive into all the text, I'd love to give you a little bit of background of where we've been. Uh, Jose uh, was doing an, basically, it's almost a full year long sermon series on the book of Romans. And he's becoming known for this. We do some long series here at the church, which is good because we really get to dive into line by line. And, and I really appreciate that. And so since the beginning of the year, we started in Romans 1 and we worked through chapter 11 is what we just finished up and really focusing on the good news. The good news, starting with what is the message of the good news? What's the heart of the good news? The hope of the good news and the people of the good news. Now, for the summertime, if you've been with us the past few weeks, we've been taking a pause from Romans 11 and sliding to another chapter 11, but now we're in Hebrews. And this is really awesome because Hebrews uh, takes characters and, and people of faith from the Old Testament and allows us to relate it to a lot of our New Testament realities. 
which does a great job setting up for what we're going to do in the fall. We're going to go through Romans chapter 12. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to read that chapter, but it is one of my favorite chapters uh, in the Bible. It really talks about how we are called to live out our faith. So the first part of it's kind of setting it up, and then, but the last four chapters are what is we as people who call ourselves believers and followers of Jesus, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to live out that faith with one another and ultimately with the world? So uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to go and open the Bibles to Hebrews 11.7. So uh, go ahead and bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. We thank you for the space. We thank you for your word that we're freely allowed to read and talk about. And Jesus, again, I pray that this morning that there would be conviction, um, but also encouragement to step out in faith and look at Noah as a, a, a prime example of someone who did this. And let us be inspired and encouraged to step out and have faith like Noah did. In Jesus' name, amen. So go ahead and open up your Bibles. If you haven't already turned there to Hebrews 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping the faith. There's a lot, and it's only two sentences, but there's a lot to unpack here, and we're going to take some time to work through it. But before we get to that, go ahead and flip to the book of Genesis and go to chapter 6. Genesis, obviously easy, it's the first book, go and flip there. And as you're turning to chapter 6, um, give you a little background. So you got right, you got Genesis 1, you got the creation. God creates the heavens and the earth. You got chapter 2, um, man enters the picture. Chapter 3, we have the fall. So we're, we're three chapters into this book and we've already screwed up. Uh, we get to chapter 4, we got Cain and Abel. It gets a little bit worse, right? 5, we, get a, we, we populate, populations grow. And here we are at chapter 6. We're only six chapters into the story. And here... We are. So let's go ahead and look at Genesis 6, starting in verse 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now for a quick frame of reference, last week Steve shared uh, the story of Enoch. Remember, Enoch is the guy that never died, right? He lived a faithful life, and then he just disappeared. Um, and just vanished. So this, this was Enoch. So Enoch was Noah's great-grandfather. So you can see the line right here. So you have Enoch had a son, Methuselah. Methuselah had a son, Lamech. Lamech had Noah. To give you kind of frame of reference of where we were in retrospect to last week. If you go back like nine dads, keep it simple. Nine dads, you get back to Adam. Okay, so that's how far we are. Okay. So that's Noah. Noah is the son. Uh, Noah is a father. You see his three uh, his three sons there, Ham, I don't know if that's a family name, but it's a, it's a good one. So we have uh, his, his sons, and then also he's a husband. But the big thing I want to I talk about here is it says that he was righteous, he was blameless among his people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. And so two of the things we've been talking about in this Hebrews 11 study is that faith is visible and faith is relational. And clearly those two, those two words apply to Noah. Let's continue reading on. Let's go to verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence. Because of them, I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. 
Now, you have to remember, Noah didn't have the Bible the way we have it today, right? He couldn't just flip to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and, and like, oh, going to get inspired by it. He didn't have that. Nor did he have the Ten Commandments, right? Moses isn't going to enter the scene until the next book, Exodus. So he doesn't even have that. And so it's very clear that Noah uh, wouldn't have just had some, this, this, this relationship we had with God or this faith he had was not just something that he just did when it was convenient or when it you know, made sense best for him or when he kind of felt like it. No, this was something that Noah's faith was intentional and it was active. It was very clear. The way that typically, as you see, what's very interesting in the, in the interaction between Noah and God in this passage is typically, right, when you read about God having an interaction with a person, oftentimes it's a pretty big, grand entrance, right? So you think of, you think of Moses. How did, how did God appear to Moses, right? There's a burning bush, big burning bush. God speaks. Here it is, big, grandiose entrance. Um, you have that example. Or sometimes God appears as a rhetorical question, as we saw a couple weeks ago, right? When Cain murdered his brother Abel, God asks, well, Cain, where's your brother? As if God doesn't know. He asks a rhetorical question, trying to make a point. Or with Adam and Eve, when Adam and Eve sin and they fall and they go hide because they feel ashamed, God goes, where are you? As if God doesn't know. As we talked about a few weeks ago, oftentimes when God asks a question, it's not for his benefit, it's for ours. And so, but, but in this case, God doesn't do that with Noah, right? He comes through here. God speaks to Noah, and instead of having this back and forth, God, Noah listens and he responds to what God says. No hesitation, nobody think. God just goes to him. And to me that speaks on they must have had open communication with each other where God said, hey, Noah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you. This is what I want done. Noah listens and he responds. Noah's faith was relational. Let's keep reading on a little bit further. Let's jump to uh, verse 14. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. He's going to lay it out right here. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. Crystal clear. Noah, this is what's going to happen. This is what I need you to do verbatim all the way through. Wouldn't that be nice if that was always the case in our lives? But Noah got it. Noah's listening, and God chose to give it to him like that. To give you an example, imagine, imagine that I believed or I had faith that this building uh, will one day catch on fire. In Jesus' name, I pray it's not today. But that one day it will catch on fire, right? To prepare for it, I bring a fireproof suit in Chick-fil-A red. So it's nice and bright and branding, right? Chick-fil-A red, I wear that, my full fireproof suit, and I come in here, and every single time I walk in here, that suit, that fireproof suit, and my thinking that this one day is going to catch fire, that suit becomes the visible image of my faith that that's going to happen, okay? I could never just discreetly just walk in here with my wife and kids in a giant Chick-fil-A red fire suit. It would be visible, it would be known, people would know that guy has faith that that's going to happen. The same is true for Noah. Believe me, when God said build this ark and Noah's going to build it, it was going to be big. It was going to be known. It was going to be a statement of faith. So what does this mean? This means that our faith in God, the relationship God calls us into, shows up in the way we live. And it shows up in the choices that we make. Each of us every day, we choose to live a, diff we, we choose to live a certain way. We choose to follow or believe something 
And what we choose to follow or what we choose to believe or the choices we make ultimately reflects our faith and who we are. So what are you following? What's your faith? What do you believe? Do you kind of believe? Do you kind of like, where are you? Whatever that is, that's what's going to be reflected to other people. That's who we are. I want to give you a, a visual because you, you read this and you're like, okay, 300 cubits. I don't remember that from grade school of how big that is. Let me try to figure this out. So uh, I got a, a, a few pictures to put up here. So this is actually um, from the Ark Encounter in this small town in Kentucky. Has anybody ever been to the Ark Encounter by chance? We had one person last service. Nobody, hey, great thing we have Google. I've never been there either. So I don't know. But anyways, this is not a computer rendering. This is an actual, there is a person, a guy named Ken Ham in Kentucky who actually built the actual ark and uh, turned it into an attraction. So you guys should see the scale. So here are the people in retrospect to the scale. And this is built within inches of what the Bible outlines. And it is massive. I mean, look at that thing. I mean, you got to think with Noah, when he built this ark, you're talking like, I mean, you, you're not just going to walk by and notice, I mean, that, that is a giant boat to put in your front yard. I mean, that is a statement, right? We're seeing all these boats right now in the summer. Like, that is, that is a boat. That's going to make a wake for sure. Um, but you can just see the scale. It's, it's amazing. It, it blows my mind. Even to this day, even with this being built just a few years ago, it is the largest single wooden structure in the world, even by today's standards. And this was built a long, long time ago. And Noah built it. This right here is a statement of faith. There's no way that's going to discreetly just, oh, yeah, I'm building this boat and the world's going to flood. I mean, that's a clear statement. It's very, very open. Everybody is going to see it. So as we just read and we read through the text that this is what God expected. And now you actually see with our own eyes like, oh, my gosh, I, I didn't, that was, I was really big. And that was, that was massive. It was huge. The ark was there. God showed Noah exactly what he needed to do. So. As you, look, as you looked at those pictures, as you read in the text, what are we supposed to learn from this? What are we from, supposed to learn from this giant boat that's eight stories high and more than a football field and a half long? I mean, how, what are you supposed to learn from that? What I walked away with is that God is not hiding. And God's not silent. He's not somebody who's just going to, oh, I'm just going to kind of work my way in a little bit. No, like God, God is there. He's not hiding from you. He's not hiding from us. He's not, no, it's, it's bold. It's right there in front of you. And God's not silent. You maybe heard this saying that God is always speaking, we're just not always listening, right? God is not silent. So as I was processing through this, like, that's a big boat. And I, I, I couldn't even believe that someone actually built it today, which is pretty amazing. But I had to ask myself, why, why was Noah's faith so certain? I mean, it, it's so, it's, 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 it, he makes it, it, the story seems so short. Like, God says this. Genesis 6.22, it says, Noah did everything exactly the way God said it. And it's just like, how did the guy like this, like how did he even have the faith to do this? How does it even happen? You see plenty of examples throughout the Bible. You think I, Jonah comes to my mind, right? God told Jonah, hey, go here. Jonah goes, eh, I'll go this way. You know, gets eaten by the fish and goes on, right? Goes back. Eventually God gets what he wants. Uh, you think about the Israelites, right? They get called out of Egypt. Hey, you're going to give them the promised land. But then after a while, they're like, oh, is this really going to happen? I know God said it was going to happen, but ah, ah, ah. And they, they start worshiping false gods, and it goes the other way. But with Noah, it's not like that. So what, like, where did this faith come from? How did he just hear it, listen, respond, and believe? For me, as I'm reading through this, let's go back to Hebrews 11.7. Let's go back to that first sentence. By faith, Noah... When warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. I believe that much of Noah's why behind why he did this 
came out or stemmed out of his holy fear of the Lord. Now, holy fear is much more than an emotion, right? When we think of fear, we think of a scary movie or something, you know, that you kind of feel it in the back of your neck or, or scare. I mean, there could, be, there could be an element of that, right? It could be an emotion, but holy fear is more than an emotion. Just like times when you read in the Bible, uh, you often hear this phrase, do not be afraid, right? Don't, don't, don't be afraid. But I think this is speaking to something, something different. Holy fear in this sense is more than an emotion. It's a reverent submission. It's a healthy respect for who God is. You know, six months ago, uh, the vice president of Chick-fil-A was just in Portland for some reason. He was in Portland um, and uh, he sent me an email and said, hey, I want to come on by your restaurant and I want to, you know, come on by and check on you, talk to you and see how you're doing. And um, I mean, by no means, I'm not buddy-buddy with the vice president of Chick-fil-A, but I do know of him. He knows me. And so he came by and I know from meeting him on multiplications, I know that he has the best interest for me he has the best interest for my family and ultimately the best interest of my business. I know this. I know he wants what's best. However, there is still this underlying current, right? For all of you know, when you have somebody who's a, a high superior come and visit you in your line of work, you know, there's just, you know, there's this underlying current that just keeps me humble. It keeps me in obedience to what he and the Chick-fil-A corporate headquarters would expect. And because of this, I do this because I know the authority and the power that he carries. This doesn't mean I'm, I'm terrified of him. I just know that. Um, and I know he has the best. I have a healthy fear of him. And likewise, it's very true with Noah and holy fear of the Lord. See, holy fear is a healthy respect for who God is. All right? It's a mindset. It's not you're, it's not you're necessarily like scared and like terrified, but it's no. Like I respect and I understand the authority. I know the power that you have, and I want to follow that, not necessarily run from it, right? I want to follow that. Again, as for me as a local franchise owner of a Chick-fil-A, I'm, I'm given a lot of freedom day to day to run the business the way I please. Thankfully, I love being a private business owner. But I know that I am part, I'm a part of something much, much larger, right? I'm not the president of Chick-fil-A. I'm not Truett Cathy who invented the chicken sandwich. Um, I'm, not, I'm not that person. I'm, I'm one franchise owner out of 2,100 stores across the nation. Which reminds me that to live by faith is to remember where I fit into the big picture. To live by faith is to remember where you fit in the big picture. You may not be the one that's going to do it all, but where do you fit in in this journey of faith? Just like the people that we read about in Hebrews 11, they remembered that God exists and he rewards those that seek after him. Noah doesn't ignore what God's saying. He doesn't hear and go, well, are you really, really going to do that? Are you sure? No, he listens to him. He listens and he takes action. He doesn't doubt. This is faith in the real world. This is the faith that, this is the faith that our world needs now more than ever. Is people that listen to God and say, yes, I, I need to do that and go after it. And not go, well, I'll wait once I graduate college. Or, oh, once I get this, this job. Or once I make this certain amount of money, then I'll give. You know, something like that. No, it's saying now. It's saying now. Like this is, what is God calling to you now? God is who we need and God has what we need. You know, so when you're wrestling through like, am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to go there? Just know that God is who, who you need and God has what you need. So what does Noah's faith produce? So we talked about, okay, well, why? I mean, how in the world did he have the faith to do this? Okay, he has holy fear. But what does it produce? Like, what, what, what do we get out of this? What does the writer of Hebrews say is the result of the ark? 
Let's jump back into the second sentence of Hebrews 11, 7. Now it says, by his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Now it can be very easy to, to miscreate. You see the word condemned and you, you immediately think that Noah is maybe judging or pointing the finger. And this is, this is not the case. Um, Jose often says, if you've been coming here for a while, Jose likes to Greek out, I got those pastor jokes, Greek out for a moment, and, uh, and go into what the actual original language says. So let's break this down. So the word condemned as it's written is the aorist active indicative. And what this tense means is that Noah's life, by the way he lived it, implies that who, those who do not live by faith will be condemned, Okay. The indicative of this word shows that it's true of Noah. Noah is a person of faith. Noah is not judging the world the way we typically think of it, right? So when we typically think of judging the world, we typically think of uh, social media campaign, protests, things like that. Um, this is not what's happening here. Instead, Noah and the holiness of Noah's life and the faith that he demonstrated stands as an example of faith and faithfulness. When we live by faith, it shows that following Jesus is actually possible. Building the ark through faith ultimately became the condemnation of the world. It wasn't that Noah was pointing fingers and saying, oh, this is gonna happen. No, the very fact that he believed that God said what he's gonna do and he built the ark, that was condemnation of the world. Through Noah's life, we're given the opportunity to know God and experience his forgiveness. The people there, if they would have seen the ark, if they would have seen Noah's life, they would have looked at that and said, God would have given them the opportunity. I really believe that. I believe that as, if, as God looked out over the world, that truly that there was, there was no hope. And the only hope there was was Noah. And I believe that there was, if there was another family or there's somebody else that would have listened and would have followed, I, I believe that God would have left them on the boat. But there wasn't. It wasn't. This is why faith in Jesus is so important. It's so much more than just it's so much more than just you and I, you know, knowing God or loving God or following it. Yes, that's important. It's very important that you and I love and do that. But it's so much more than that. Your faith has to be visible. The way we live should make an impact on the people around us. It should. Our lives following Jesus should be inviting to others. People should see your life and go, man, I want to be part of that. What's different about you? What's different? To put it simply... How you live your life and how I live my life, it matters. It matters. It matters to God and it matters to other people. You know, when I think about um, Chick-fil-A and, and our purpose as an organization, um, we, don't, we don't, you know, print our, our purpose as a company on our waffle fry boxes or our napkins or anything like that. Or we don't have like a big corporate purpose placard when you walk into our store. Um, but our corporate purpose is, is two sentences. Our corporate purpose is to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that's entrusted to us and to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A or Brian Hogan or put your name. That's our purpose. That's what we're trying to do. You don't have to be a Christian to work at Chick-fil-A. That, that's not the point. The point is, is that when we're trying to do this, people come up to me and say, man, what's so different about your restaurant? People are so much happier. They actually seem like they like working in fast food. This is strange. You know, like there's so many customers. It moves so fast. It's just different. What's, what's different about it? And I love that by our example or the by the way that we conduct our business, when people ask me that question, I can say, hey, like, it just comes, we just, we want to glorify God, take care of what's given to us and have a positive influence. And I'm so glad you got to experience that today. 
And because of the way that we live out, because of the way we run our business, and we're not perfect, right? We're going to figure out your fries sometimes. It's going to happen. But we're trying. We're trying to do the right thing, and we're trying to bring glory to God by taking care of what's been given to us. For me, I've been given a building. I've been given 90 employees. I've been given a brand. Um, and I need to take care of that. And I want to make sure that every person that can, I want to do my very best, that every person that comes in contact with Chick-fil-A has a positive experience from vendors to employees to customers, um, all of them. And the same can be said here is that, again, how you live your life matters. The way what Noah did when he built that boat and he lived by faith, it mattered. It mattered. So this morning we talked about Noah before the ark, right, who he was before the ark. He was a righteous man. He was blameless among his people. He walked faithfully with God. Noah's faith was relational. It wasn't this crazy exchange or out of, out of the blue. No, he had a relationship with God to where God could come to him and he, was, and he believed it and he responded and he did everything God instructed. He had a relational faith with God. Noah's faith was visible. Hello, a giant boat, an ark. That's about as visible as you're going to get, right? His faith was visible. Why did he do it? It's because Noah had a holy fear, Right? He had a healthy respect. He knew that what God said, when he said he was going to do it, he was going to follow through on his promise. And ultimately, by his faith and following through on that, the world was condemned. It was. So where do we go from here? What do we, what do we learn from the, the giant boat and the faith that Noah had? I want to leave you with a, with a question today. And the question is, what is your ark? What is your ark? What is it in your life that, what opportunities, what challenges, what do you have? What, what is it? What is it that's that, that, that step of faith that you're going to have to take in order to get through it? You see, in, in the Bible, we only get one snapshot of Noah's life. We get one. We get the ark. But it says before that that Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his people. So there had to be, right, multiple other acts of faithfulness that Noah fulfilled in order to earn him the opportunity and the right to act upon the ark. You know, I think some of us, uh, metaphorically speaking, before you, before you build the ark, you might need to work on building the canoe. God may ask you to build you a canoe or a kayak. You know, something smaller, right? I mean, there's, you're not, I mean God's just not going to walk up to you one day and say, man, I want you to move here and do this. And he might. But sometimes, are you faithful in the small things? Would you build the kayak or the canoe if God asked you to? So again, what is your arc? What's going on in your world today? What decisions are you facing? What challenges are you up against? Noah reminds us that God is always speaking. God is there. He's always trying to get our attention and lead us in the way that's best. In preparing for today's message, um, my wife and I were asking ourselves these questions. Um, so thankful for her to have her help me in, in putting this together as I'm very new to this. Um, we had our uh, faith moment, right? Our ark or our kayak or canoe faith moment um, a couple years ago. See, before I, I owned the local franchise um, of Chick-fil-A down the street in Hillsboro, I had a, a corporate job with Chick-fil-A, uh, which my wife and I, and she graciously traveled on the road with me, but we, we lived on the road for 18 months and every 30 days we got an email telling us where we were gonna live and what we were gonna be doing. And um, we were in a small uh, Chick-fil-A operation in Cheyenne, Wyoming, uh, very challenging, uh, coming off another very challenging um, situation that we were in. Uh, again, my job was to 
run restaurants that were in transition to ownership. And so um, to put it nicely, my job was to reorient uh, Chick-fil-A's that may have gone astray and bring them back to True North. If you've ever seen those type of shows on TV, uh, that was my job, that was my job. And so it was very challenging. Um, well, I received a phone call from, from my boss. Well, we'd already been on the road for over a year, away from family, living in hotels, traveling, and you know, doing all this kind of stuff. And I got a phone call from my boss, and he said, hey, I know, uh, I know you're getting close to that time of being selected to own a Chick-fil-A. I wanna let you know that there's an opportunity in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it's 30 minutes away from your parents, uh, both, both of your immediate families, mine and my wife's. And you know, the restaurant's been open for over 10 years and uh, you're walking into a great team, a great situation and everything's known. I mean, I, I would know how much money I would be making and it was the perfect opportunity. And so as Jacqueline and I continued to pray and, and, and seek the Lord about what we were supposed to do, we kept feeling an uneasiness about taking the perfect opportunity instead we felt a pull to come to Portland, to come back here um, where it wasn't known and it was gonna be hard. Also, you know, we were in Cheyenne, we were tired. It was our ticket out to go home and we were saying no to, to, to a guarantee. But I am so, so thankful that we said no to that and we stepped out in faith into the unknown and decided to come out here and open up the restaurant we have. Um, it was really hard, it was really, really hard. Um, we didn't know, we didn't know what was gonna come. We didn't know if people were gonna embrace Chick-fil-A. You know, we, there were no Chick-fil-A's out here. Actually in the market research that we did, uh, when they did surveys in Portland, Portland had the lowest favorability rating for a, for a Chick-fil-A to be welcome out of any city in the United States. Uh, you guys didn't like us more than uh, New York City and Minneapolis and all these places we were going. Uh, and so I was like, okay, well, according to the research, it's not looking good. And then of course, a bunch of people, oh, you don't want to move to Portland. That's a, that's a godless city. You know, you don't want to go there. It's not a place to raise a family, you know? And so you have other people telling you other things. And, and uh, so we had a lot of people telling us, don't do it. You know, take the guarantee, it's right there. You know, everybody knows Chick-fil-A. Everybody will, all your employees will know Chick-fil-A. People who grew up with it, it'll be easy. But we just didn't feel like that was what we were supposed to do. And I'm so thankful we didn't because when we opened that restaurant a little over a year and a half ago, um, it ended up being the highest volume Chick-fil-A freestanding grand opening in the history of the company. Uh, and it was pretty amazing. Yeah, it's an amazing, it's amazing to see how stepping out in faith that God provided, and I'm, maybe some of you guys were there that grand opening day. If you were, kudos, that was a long line. Um, and I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was amazing. And out of this, and you have to ask yourself, like, well then Lord, what am I supposed to do with this? And it's just like, you know, this is one of the busiest Chick-fil-A's in the country and you give it to me, I'm 27 years old. Like, why in the world, why am I, why am I giving this? And what, it, what, I've, what I've come to realize is that out of that abundance, I'm able to, it gives me more opportunity to help other people. And so it's allowed us to have additional resources to take care of my team and take care of them. Um, and also for the community, like we said last month, we were able to, we were able to package 50,000 meals um, for people in need here in the, in the Hillsboro Beaverton area. Uh, and that wouldn't have happened if, uh, if, if I hadn't followed the Lord and trusted that he was gonna take care of us. Um, so during these next few songs, I wanna encourage you to, to take time to ask yourself, what's your ark? Or maybe ask God, God, I'll, I'll take a kayak or a canoe. I'll take, I'll take a smaller, but it takes us stepping out in faith. What is that? What is that for you? What is God asking you to do? Or maybe is, what is God telling you to avoid? Say, hey, like, shouldn't go down that path. Ask Jesus, maybe some of you need to ask the Lord to, 
to provide you opportunities of courage to step out in faith, to have that faith moment, to have that arc-like faith moment. And I can tell you from experience of, you know, it's not comfortable. You know, a lot of times when you step out in faith, it's not comfortable, it's not easy. But you don't grow in your faith when it's comfortable. You don't grow in, in who you are as a person if, you, if you're comfortable. That stuff's not gonna come. You gotta step out of your comfort zone. You gotta step out and do something. You actually have to try, you guys ever done those high ropes courses, right? You ever done those when you have to, you're hanging on and you have to, and then the person's like, you have to let go. And you're like, I'm 30 feet in the air, you know, and, and you don't wanna do it and you're terrified. But what it is, is you're hanging on and you have, you have to let go. And that takes faith. And it's hard and you feel that in your stomach because you feel like you're going to fall. But it's hard. You know, that's, that's the faith. So ask yourself, Lord, give me, the, give me the encouragement. Give me the opportunity. I want to do it. Trust him. Despite what anybody else is going to say or the market research tells you it's not going to work out. Have faith that the Lord is going to provide. I'm going to pray and then afterwards um, the tables are going to be open um, for us to take the bread and the cup. Um, together and reflect um, as the band plays. So bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, we're coming before you and Lord, we're just asking for help. We're asking for opportunity. We're asking for you, Jesus. You know, there's some of us in the room that we've been wrestling about, well, should I take that job or... Should, should, I adopt, should I adopt that kid? Should I, should I move to this area? Should I reach out to this person? And Lord, I just pray that whatever the situation is, that God, that you would, you would open the doors to provide the opportunity so that we can step out in faith. We can have that canoe or kayak moment or maybe even ark-like faith moment. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. And we just ask that you help us as we're, as we're pursuing this journey towards you and our faith. We love you and praise you.